Hello, I'm Tara Ruckman. And I'm Stephanie Howe, and we are Control the Chaos EDU. Are you burnout? Are you feeling frustrated or overwhelmed? Or maybe it's the opposite, and you're a go-getter and want to level up. Then it's time to dive in with real talk and solution-focused conversations. Hello, and welcome to today's Control the Chaos conversation. We're going to be talking about group work. And there were times in my classroom or when I was helping teachers with group work that it was just a mess. I would have the students, you know, ready, excited for this group project, and then we would get into it and everything went the wrong way. If we were using technology, uh, somehow the slides would go completely black. Um, A student would start deleting someone's work, deleting slides, and it just became a hot mess that I was like, this is not worth it. And what's crazy about it is group work is actually a really high impactful strategy when it comes to using group work. And so there's a lot of research and studies that John Hattie was doing. And and it came out that group work was actually a really high impact strategy to use in your classroom. But I wasn't seeing it. I wasn't seeing the return on this high impact strategy because some of the procedures or some of the classroom management pieces weren't in place. And so we're going to share just some strategies and resources that you can use to support your group work this year. So again, we're back with 24 group work strategies. I think we're aiming for 24 strategies in 24 minutes. Um, So we hit it last time. I think we had a minute to spare. And so this time we'll see how we could do. Okay, let's start the timer right now. And here we go. So the first one is establishing clear objectives. What is it that you exactly want your students to do? And so again, you wanna go over all of those expectations, not just with the task at hand, but what do you expect for them to act when they're in a group work? How are they supposed to be communicating? What voice level are they supposed to be using? And not only just telling your students, you also wanna provide visuals. So don't just tell them those clear objectives of what you expect from the end product or what you expect with them working in groups. But really, really think about how can I communicate that with my students um, with visuals, too. Number two, assign roles and responsibilities. Now, this one is relatively, I could do this one in 30 seconds, right? You can either have them assign roles and responsibilities, or you can do it on your own um, and just make, maybe you have the writer, maybe you have the designer, maybe you have the artist, um, maybe you have the note taker, um, but putting those roles and responsibilities in places, make make sure everybody has a part so that they're all giving, have the equal opportunity to participate. And so once you uh, set those clear expectations and assign roles, you want to create a safe space. This is where your students feel safe to share their ideas, to try to fail forward. And if you don't have that kind of space with growth mindset where students know it's okay to fail and okay to share, you might have some groups that have off-topic discussions, or you might have students that are absolutely silent during group work. And so again, you want to make sure that you're building that before you start group work. 
and just allowing every student to have a voice in your classroom and allowing them to share their ideas with each other. And again, encouraging that sentence stems can kind of help with that. And Tara's gonna get more into that, but where you're able to, again, kind of have that safe space where students are okay to try things, they're okay with failing, because if you don't, again, you're gonna have very quiet groups or groups that are very off topic. <laughs> when we get into number four, we have communication, which could lead into sentence stems. Um, do we have ways to prompts to get them started? Um, how do they know which direction? We have set the clear objectives, but if you're thinking about those younger grades, sometimes they just need that little extra oomph um, to get going and know where to start. So you can use those sentence stems for that or visual, or it could be some type of visual prompt as a way to communicate, or it could be a written prompt or a half prompt, but just something to get them um, task initiated and going and on the right foot because we all know like after we've established those clear objectives, sometimes we don't know where, sometimes kids don't know where to start. So it could look different at different age levels, but the younger they are, the more kind of information you want to give them as where, as to where to start. And then as they get older, you can fade that communication and those ways to help them to get started. And so once you have starters, technology can really play a role in supporting your students as well. And so when it comes to technology, you can use different tools. One of my favorites to use is Cami. And why I love to use Cami with collaborative work is when students are collaborating together, they can't delete each other's responses. So earlier when I was sharing that story about my students logging into a Google slide, trying to collaborate, they're deleting each other's responses. They can't do that in Cami. Only the teacher and the other student is able to do that uh, within Cami, And that is just huge to me. Also teachers, you're able to see who has collaborated what. And there's like a little trick where there's like an eyeball in the corner of your Cami document where you can turn off the eyeball and just select one student. When I do that, I can see how much that student has participated and gave to their group. And then I can have either like a great job or go over to that student, see what scaffolds and support they need in order to add some more ideas onto their group work. So again, I can click a button, I can see real quickly who's doing majority of the work on my screen and which student is not doing much of the work. And once you have um, gotten going, and maybe this is something you want to do in the beginning. It could be something you have done before, but you want to reteach. Maybe it's something you want to give a reminder throughout. But reminding what students what that active listening looks like so that they are participating in their group and giving respect to their group members. Because we all know that when we are in a group project, sometimes we have the ability to get off task. Um, and do something else because we're in a group and sometimes you could fade in the background, but reminding them what does active listening look like? Am I getting on my computer when another group member is talking or am I allowing that group member to talk and giving them my attention? So reminding them that to provide each other active listening, just like they would provide a teacher during a lesson. 
And then when you do that, you're able to also break down the task. So once your students begin to use that active listening, helping them break down a task, because if you tell them everything at the start or you kind of go over um, all of the different pieces, sometimes that can feel overwhelming. And so it's great to give a quick overview, but then you really wanna help your students break down the task. You can do this a couple different ways. You can provide your students with a roadmap. You could provide them with a wonder wall where you have, okay, the first five minutes, the next 10, the next 10, and so on. And then they write down what they're supposed to be working on. This is going to help with that executive functioning skill of planning and prioritizing. So again, going in, breaking down that task, even using a roadmap or providing your students with timers and pausing the class. Okay, we're ready now that we have our research, we're going to go on to the next stage of this group work activity. That can really help, but if you're going to use those timers, make sure you have a procedure down to grab your students' attention and then they can go back to working. This one I love, we're talking about encouraging diversity from different perspectives. Um, everyone has a different perspective. And sometimes in our groups, we allow, we can get on a straight and narrow and we can get on this roadmap and we follow the roadmap, but we want to encourage those different perspectives, whether it be cultural perspectives, whether it be age perspectives, whether it be historical per perspectives, whatever subject we're, we're in, maybe it's scientific. So maybe we wanna look at two different scientific perspectives. So there's many different um, group work perspectives that one can take. So just thinking about um, encouraging that from a different way and adding perspective into the group work could even be an expectation um, to do this. Or, or maybe it's maybe it's just really a family perspective where I'm thinking about um, what my family does, maybe not be, may not be what your family does. So how we can encourage diversity of perspectives um, can absolutely 100% affect the way a group might look. And then after you kind of help your students with those perspectives, providing them feedback can really help. So as they're encouraging uh, maybe sentence stems or as you're using some of these other strategies, walking around, not just sitting at your desk, but actually walking around, providing feedback to your students and your learners. And you can do this by either verbally telling them, you can also kind of um, provide them maybe with feedback on your computer if you have that kind of walking around. I also love to gamify this piece. So I will often have um, either cubes or a piece of paper and my students will get tally marks for every time that I see them working properly with their group. Or if I see them really encouraging those uh, diversity type of perspectives or using active listening, I'll go around and I'll either put a cube or a tally on their paper. And they just get that feedback that yes, they're doing the right thing. You could create categories on that piece of paper and. Um, so that way they know exactly what you're looking for and what they did really great with. And then you can, again, celebrate with the students and maybe the group that had the most tally marks at the end win some type of prize. But really gamifying that piece allowed me to make sure I was giving the feedback because oftentimes when I didn't have something, I wasn't really doing it. I was just kind of walking around. But when I had a reason to go over and give a tally mark, my students were getting that feedback from me. 
The next one is deadlines. So a couple earlier, we had talked about breaking down the task, but also providing those deadlines when you do break down the task. So maybe I have four sections. This first section is due after two days. Then you have maybe a day for section two and whatever that looks like. So I have four sections, I have four deadlines, making sure that's clearly communicated with students so that they have the amount of time that they know and they start to think about that time management piece because they have specific deadlines for the tasks that are broken down. And then after you have those deadlines, you also wanna create check-ins. So I usually do maybe a few days before deadlines and you don't have to just have one deadline. You could say the research part of this group work is due here. This part of this project is due on this date. And so if you have those lined out, then you're able to provide those check-ins with your students. And again, I usually try to do them ahead of time before they're due. Um, and that way I can just say, okay, where are we at with this project? Who's taking the ownership? And how are you guys working together to accomplish this goal? And then we celebrate achievements. So thinking about um, it, projects can be a lot. Group work can be a lot. So when you're accomplishing those things and you're doing it well, let's celebrate together as a group what you have accomplished, how you have collaborated together, how you have taken diversity in those perspectives. Like um, it's wonderful to have group work, but it's also difficult, especially in the younger levels as you begin to do that for the first time and you're gaining those collaboration skills so we want to make sure that we're celebrating all of the things that we're doing well, um, using any type of positive reinforcement throughout and reinforcing groups. So maybe Steph walks around to group one and she is celebrating just small achievements as well. I love how you guys are working well together and she's really um, putting that out there for the whole class to share. It could be even something as like day one, we worked on this group assignment, group task, group project, whatever the group work is. And I really loved how group two did X, Y, and Z. I really loved how group three did A, B, and C. So that way, when you celebrate those achievements out loud, some of the groups may that maybe didn't do the thing that you're celebrating, maybe they could incorporate that on day two or the next time you work as a group or um, complete an assignment together, whether it's a project or just a small group work assignment, just celebrating those um, and collaborating, celebrate those in collaboration. And then again, encourage that collaboration. So encourage students to keep collaborating with that safe space that you've been kind of practicing as well, which just again, helping them realize that they're doing a great job either with the feedback or by pointing out. I also like to encourage collaboration by using a fishbowl. And what a fishbowl is, is it's where all the other students are just watching one student kind of role play or model group work. And that's how I'm kind of encouraging this collaboration within the classroom. The other students outside of the fishbowl are watching, they're making notes. What did that group do really well? 
what do they maybe need to improve on? And again, students are able to kind of watch in, see another group do it. And so when they go back to their group work, they've seen it modeled, they see the expectations. And again, it's encouraging that group work and collaboration in their own group as well. Um, managing conflicts. So managing conflicts and fostering a positive culture kind of go hand in hand. So 14 and 15, we're going to knock out at one time, manage, and actually they all go together, right? So managing conflicts and also then um, fostering a positive culture in the same time. So as we're helping students manage the um, issues that may arise, maybe it is different perspectives um, and allowing them to teach conflict management in that moment. We're also then encouraging a foster uh, and fostering a positive culture within the group. And we are encouraging students to give each other positives. How can you give each other positive feedback? How can you work together and continue to maybe do positive reflections? Oftentimes we think about a um a reflection as being something I need to work on and do do um so I the student has ta done some type of task incorrectly and or their behavior was negative and we want to reflect about it so we can do it better next time. But what about that positive reflection where they can give their students, other students in the group positive reflection, hey I love, um, we're reflecting on how we work together and I'm gonna positive reflect about each one of my group members and how well they did. Name one thing that you, that your group members did correctly. Name two things that your group members um, worked well with you on. And that will also in turn help manage conflicts when they arise because you have those positive things that you're feeding off of um, as the strengths so that way you can work around the negative conflicts to manage those. And so once you have those, again, positive feedbacks, you're managing that conflict, you wanna make sure that you're providing those resources and supports. Do students know where they're going to grab the material or is it kind of crazy? So again, I like to think beforehand, how can I prep this to make it more successful? Maybe if they need rollers, I grab those supplies and have them ready either at a station, at a group, you're gonna to wanna to go back to those roles and responsibilities that Tara talked about earlier where you assign maybe a person that grabs the material. If students need support, rather than all of the group members coming to me, can I just have one student that's like the messenger that comes to me and asks the group question or grabs my attention and then I come to the group to have that discussion. So again, think about how is it that I can kind of manage the physical space within my classroom so I don't have students just running around the room. I don't have them going from one end to another to grab supplies where they know where to get the supplies or maybe I pre-prep their supplies to have it ready at their uh, area. Accountability, creating individual and team accountability. So as an individual, you wanna like ask these questions. What do I own? What is my work product? What do I need to do? For whom do I need to do it? So, you know, creating those individual accountabilities and then also team accountability. What is my contribution? 
How do I apply my skills and work to my team? What are the expected outcomes and how does my work align? Um, who is who is the decision maker? So creating that accountability as an individual and also creating that accountability as a team um, because we want to make sure that each team member has the commitment to the team and are all responsible for submitting, you know, high quality work, or maybe it's their best effort, delivering their best effort. So um, how do we make sure each member then holds themselves accountable for submitting their best effort? And that is their team-wide commitment. So all of those things, you know, we want to set those expectations. Part of what we do in the beginning when we assign roles and responsibilities, we can talk about accountability. And then you want to be flexible. So if you have a deadline and the students aren't going to make it due to maybe a snow day or because of whatever reason, be flexible. Be able to say, okay, we're going to move this one day because this happened. Or we had a fire drill. You're going to get an extra 15 minutes to finish and prepare your presentation on this day. So again, be flexible with students based on life happens and teaching them that, hey, it's okay that this happened. We're going to be flexible and we're going to kind of maybe move it or I'm going to provide you additional time or maybe I'm going to cut this last part of this um, project just because of this happened and it wasn't predictable, right? And so again, be flexible with projects and with when things might be due just because you never know when you might have a snow day or some type of interruption. The next is sharing best practices. Um, you know, sharing what is your knowledge? What are your skills? Um, what are your experiences within the group? Sharing best practices can be a great way to um, share your knowledge across different and like it supports different positive cultures within the group. Um, Maybe maybe a student is not really good at Google Slides and Google Slides is what you're doing for your group work. So maybe a student that is really good about at Google Slides can support another student with that tool. So even within the group, you're learning about different tools. Maybe that could be your example. Maybe when you did the group and you assigned roles and responsibilities, you have one that's a really good note taker. And maybe that they have a way to take notes um, throughout the group work that is really efficient and valuable. So maybe they're sharing their best practice of how to take notes. So in the meantime, they're not only working on group work, but we're also sharing best practices for students to learn different tools and um, different ways to build their skills. And then reflection. We are always talking about reflection and kind of helping students reflect on either their behavior or academics. And so same with group work. We want our students to reflect what went really well. How did you participate with your group? What can you do better next time? What can you uh, improve on? What did you do really good at? And so I also like to use self-reflection for shout outs. 
where students will shout out a group member that maybe went over and above. And they share that success with the rest of the class. And we're able to talk about why that person maybe really stood out and what they're able to do. So having that self-reflection can be really helpful when we're working with our students and having them think about what went well and what next steps do we need to do the next time we do some group work. Next is foster trust. We wanna ensure that we're fostering trust within our group members and with our in our, in our classroom. Maybe this could be, we are getting a little vulnerable. Maybe we're sharing about ourselves or telling a story that can connect them to real life. Maybe we are, I mean, this is one of the things that I always do when I present. I tell a little bit of a story about myself or I tell a story about when something has happened to me and how I fixed the problem or maybe how I failed and then I kept trying to succeed again. So sharing different um, group norms through vulnerability and that is a way to foster trust, but also then a way to foster trust within your um, contents. How can you connect them to the content in a way that they really buy into the project and foster trust with you and, and their own group members? So maybe also having them share a personal piece that of why they might be connected to the content. So lots of different ways to foster trust, but one of those things is definitely, um, last but not least, to communicate effectively. Ensuring you're communicating effectively will always foster trust. If there has been an issue, we can communicate about the issue. If there's a positive, let's communicate the, about the positive. But let's keep the air open and talk through whatever it is that we're, we need if there's an issue and talk through the positives and just continue to build that environment that um, you trust one another in your classroom. And then individual student strengths. <clears throat> How can you celebrate again your students? How can you uh, focus on their strengths and share and tell them, hey, you do really well listening to your, your classmates. You give really great nonverbal feedback when you, when you have students that are sharing ideas, you're really engaged. So again, looking for those strengths, telling the students, maybe even sending a parent newsletter uh, or parent letter home to let them know, hey, your child does really well with group work and they're really kind, they share or whatever um, when it comes to students working together. And last but not least, continuous learning. So think about how you are providing continuous learning throughout the group project. Is it, or the group work or the group assignment, the group task, whatever group thing that you're doing, whether it's a project or a task, um, how do you provide that continuous learning? Is it through video? Is it through direct instruction? Is it through their exploration? But continuing to provide learning opportunities um, throughout in different ways to collaborate. Maybe they have a roadmap, a different maps to explore or links to explore. Maybe they have books to look in. So what ways are you provide having them information provided to them or what ways are they exploring the information to provide continuous learning components throughout the task group whatever it is you're doing um, work with that group
And then again, reflection. Reflecting on what your students learned is a great way to kind of capture the lesson, how the group work went. You can do this with your students, but also do it by yourself or with your instructional coach or with a teacher friend where you're able to reflect, okay, what went well? What do I need to do next time? What is it that needs maybe improvement? And really reflect on those lessons. That's all of them. How, how'd we do? Uh, we went over. We went over. <laughs> oh, that's okay. We're going to be flexible. Okay. We're going to be flexible. I will <laughs> say that um, I have been fighting off this cold a little bit. So I feel my voice stuttering. And I, I know that there was a few times in there that I fumbled on my words. I could have taken a couple seconds out. That's okay. It all hap it happens, right? It's that time of year where everybody is getting the ickies and in and out of family colds and flus and all the things. So group work. We didn't make our time, but we gave you lots of strategies today. So think about in next time you do group work um, with your classroom, all of the things that you can do to control the chaos. There's 24 strategies. Pick a few of them. Do all, don't do none of them, but you can do all of them. Until next time, control the chaos. Thanks for listening to Control the Chaos EDU. Check out the description for show notes. We look forward to connecting with you on social media. Subscribe to the weekly podcast so you never miss an episode. Control the chaos. Until next time.